1: Hello TD Fantasy listeners, Jamie Eisner here telling you about the ultimate fantasy football draft experience. You've heard us talk about it on the show before, fantasy football at sea. Think about what you were doing this past draft night. Were you just sitting on your couch? Were you stuck at the office hoping your boss didn't see you? That's no fun at all. Isn't fantasy football supposed to be fun? Why not upgrade and do your 2019 draft on a cruise to the Bahamas where you can get the best advice and party with the top fantasy analysts and former NFL players. Beach, Sun, Fantasy Football, TD Fantasy will be there. That is a tough combo to beat. Go to fantasyfootballatc.com for more information and learn how you can book today.
0: It's the TD Fantasy. <laughs> the, TD fantasy Podcast. the TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host Paige demakos Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians.
2: Welcome into the TD Fantasy Podcast. Paige DiMocos, Jamie Eisner, and no Jake Arians today because Jake is golfing with some pretty cool people. I'm not going to tell you who they are, so now you can all speculate on who who Jake's hanging out with today. Have fun with that. Uh, Hope you enjoyed the divisional round of the playoffs. It was a lot of fun. There were some blowouts, but for the most part, you're just happy that football was on because, people, we only have three football games left this season and do not at me with the Pro Bowl because that is not a football game. I saw somebody talking about that said, oh, man, we only have three football games left. They said, oh, don't forget the Pro Bowl.
1: No, it's forgotten.
2: Yeah, it should be forgotten for the rest of time. Uh, Okay, let's start here, Jamie. We got two games to talk about from Saturday, the Colts and the Chiefs. I was under the impression – as were quite a few people, especially national media, that the culture kind of couldn't continue this hot streak. Now, I didn't necessarily – I wanted it – I think I wanted it to happen more yeah. than I actually thought it was going to happen just because I love Andrew Luck. But at the same time, I did not see Indianapolis having such a stinker Against the Chiefs, and it was it was a stinker. It was not a good yeah, it, it, across. They the board. weren't competitive. In no, game. no.
1: It goes back to a point I brought up on Friday or Thursday show uh, with all of us, and I said this is around where I think I'm going to go with coaching, and this is going to be a theme throughout the show today, as particularly in the AFC games that we're going to talk about. But coaching, Andy Reid is has a stupendous record after the bye week in the regular season. He is 16 and three. He was 3-0 in the postseason with a bye. Now he's 4-0 with a bye. You give coaches like this with great staffs the time for two weeks to prepare their team. They prepare their own team the way they want in the first week, and they're able to game plan easily for whoever they're going to face in that second week. Guys get healthy. This is exactly what I was talking about. I, I thought the Chiefs would win. I thought the yep. Chiefs would win by a touchdown. I think they would blow them out like they did. But the Colts, it's, it's so funny because – this was said on the air when the game began, and I didn't think about it for a second. Because, you know, we think about Indianapolis, the city. Yep. It's a cold city. the weather, You always think about the weather. But we forget. The Colts are a dome team. Yeah, no, and I continue to forget that. They yeah. are a dome team.
2: And it, was, and and it they it was look a huge, cold. It was a huge impact. You could tell. I was watching the football game, and Jordan, my boyfriend, looks over at me, and he goes, they look like they are freezing. Like they looked like visibly they were there were multiple guys that looked like they were stiff. They couldn't. They they were cold. They weren't running as fast. Forty
1: was a huge issue in this game. I mean, referees were falling down. play yeah. I mean, everybody was falling down. In this game, except for Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was the only player that could keep his feet because, yeah, I guess he just floats.
2: The up. one play where he scored that touchdown, I have to just talk about that for a second. Where he literally starts, it's like he was playing a video game. Yes, and he is running. He, he I, I would love to know how many yards he actually ran because he ran like zigzagging his way through to the end zone. And I'm watching it, and I'm going, this is unbelievable. It's it, unbelievable yeah. to watch him, how fast he is and how slippery, which is the yes, perfect word, word for him. Because he, people are just, it like, was like they're just grasping for him to try and grab him, and they can't bring him down. It's insane to watch.
1: It's like Madden practice mode <laughs> when you put the defense on rookie, <laughs> where, where the game is like you're intentionally just you're trying to show you like a tutorial <laughs> of how to do things. Yeah. So you're at full speed when all the computer players are I at like at half speed. That's, so That's what funny. it looks like when Tyreek Hill was so running funny. around there. It was a great performance by Patrick Mahomes, I thought, it, it just in his first career playoff game. That's a, that's a huge moment for them. Yep. There's a, There was a lot of pressure on the Chiefs in that game, too, because if you lose that game with the history of how, how much that Andy Reid has lost at home there, our organization lost at home there. I talked about it on the show twice last week. Yeah. for Patrick Mahomes, the last Q, Kansas City Chiefs QB to win an Arrowhead in the postseason was Joe Montana. Yeah,
2: it's been a long time. It's so it been a, lot, a while. A lot of pressure, but I think the, the thing where youth matters in this situation is is that Patrick Mahomes is almost too young for this yeah. to actually care yeah. and have pressure on him. Because if you're an older guy, you're a veteran guy, even an Alex Smith in this situation where you understand the pressure and you've been there for a while, he's almost he's too young. He's like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to go yeah. out there and I'm going to sling it around and I'm going to play my game. And you saw that from him. And, man, I was if I wasn't impressed with Patrick Mahomes before, um, because I was – this playoff performance was special, especially when you talk about the difference between what you saw from Deshaun Watson yeah. at home against mm-hmm. that against that Colts defense and the performance you saw from Mahomes at home and how glaringly different they, those two performed.
1: I'm so glad he brought that up because I think this should help kill this narrative that I hear all the time. Not this. Not the, what the next I'm about to say is the talent matters, and I think that always matters. The narrative they don't like is that just because you played in big games in college means you're equally prepared to play in big games in the NFL. Uh-uh. Deshaun Watson played a lot more bigger games Correct. in college than Patrick Mahomes did. And it's not close. No. Was not prepared for his first playoff game to the level that Patrick Mahomes was prepared for his first playoff game. To be fair, I think that Patrick Mahomes has a better team around him on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, he doesn't. But on the offensive side of the ball that he does. But Casey's defense played very, very well here. They're the unsung heroes of this game, too. Yes, they are. They played their best game of the season Mm -hmm. in this matchup, which is an extremely encouraging sign. I don't think they're going to keep it up. I don't think I'm going to see this defense again next week against against, England.
0: No, for sure. But
1: I I was extremely impressed with them. I thought Damian Williams has been an awesome, awesome player for them. Yep. Uh, It's amazing to me. This is one of those ones where you look at Adam Gase and go, how did you let this guy get away from what he was able to do in Miami? But as like, he has been – Again, nobody wanted in the offseason.
2: Yeah, good for him. And I liked his post, really, post-game interview.
1: Really good. And because, again, look, this offense, they, there's no doubt that they miss Kareem Hunt.
2: Yeah. Oh. He doesn't
1: deserve to be on that team. He no. shouldn't be on the team, and nobody here is arguing that. But no. from a football perspective, yeah. they can't quite do as much on offense without Kareem Hunt. But Damian Williams has been damn good. And yes, he's he allowed has. them to mostly cushion the loss of Kareem Hunt in that yeah, offense. Yeah,
2: for sure. And I think, as you've said, coaching matters the difference between what Deshaun Watson had from a preparation standpoint and how prepared Patrick Mahomes is, it is so, so important for young quarterbacks to have coaches who can bring them up to speed to the NFL game quicker. Because like you said, Deshaun Watson beat Nick Saban. Deshaun Watson was two seconds away from beating Nick Saban twice. Very close games. Okay, He played in the highest of high-pressure games. Mm -hmm. It's different. It's different playing in postseason games in the NFL. It's different speed. It's different everything you have to be prepared for. And Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid together has looked like a completely beautiful tandem to watch so far. And I'm – listen, I'm more – I cannot be more excited for the AFC championship game because it's the old guard and the new guard. And it is – God, it's going to be a fun game.
1: The, the interesting thing too is, I think Andy Reid's a guy that's going to be looked at more fondly when his career is over. Than I agree. He's in the moment he's not, he is a pre- he's a not appreciated, Hall of Famer, one
2: hundred percent. This
1: is his sixth championship game. Sixth. Yep. Like it's not Belichick levels, but there's nobody Belichick out there. level. How many? How many? Think about how, how many other. I have to go look it up. I can't think of anybody since maybe what Bill Walsh, yeah. Besides for Belichick, that's been to six championship games in the career as a head coach.
2: Yeah. No, super impressive. That's why as like a – now obviously my team is out of it, so I root for storylines here. I'm rooting for for guys, for storylines. I would love to see Andy Reid go get a Super Bowl here. Yeah. I would love to see the that. One thing
1: that's missing on his resume. For
2: sure, and I think that absolutely cements – kind of gets the monkey off your back, like, hey, yeah. I finally did it. I finally – like, he listen, like you said, bona fide. He's a Hall of Famer. I don't oh, care. yes, yes, yes. L- Super Bowl or not, he's a Hall of Famer. Yes. But I think that this kind of quiets that crowd of Andy Reid can't win big games type and of stuff. We'll scenario. be able to appreciate
1: him in the moment if he wins Correct. that game.
2: And I'm trying to think. I
1: believe this might be the second best team that he's taking to the championship game. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of those eagles. Some of those eagles teams were really good. Yeah. Some of them were just they were good, but they they had a, they were weak in the NFC. One of the years he
2: went, they were really really. It was good. A, it was a to year. Yes, I
1: mean that that team should have like kind of, the team should have won the Super Bowl. Yep. Uh, yep. And there's and there are a lot of people that will discuss why that didn't happen. I know T, <laughs> to has his thoughts about why <laughs> uh, that didn't happen, but I mean Andy Reid is again he turned the Eagles around when he came there. He turned people got to remember what the Chiefs were. Before Andy Reid got there, yeah,
2: nothing perennial
1: cellar dwellers for a while. Yes. After they were good in the Dick LeMieux era, they kind of went they went downhill from it. He turned them around rapidly. Yeah, I, no, I, this I,
2: this would be huge for the city yes. of, of Kansas City. They would they would love it, it, Andy Reid would be welcomed in the cre- the greatest regards. But we know cheese fans. My whole most of my family because my family's from Nebraska. A lot of them, Kansas City's three hours away. Yep. That's a huge. They're all cheese fans, and I would say. of them were asking for Andy Reid to get fired after last season. A lot of them
0: were.
1: uh, We we worked for a Chiefs fan. Sure did. It's not a big Andy Reid fan. No,
2: which I would always, and I continue to remind them, be careful what you wish for because there aren't many better coaches out there than Andy Reid, and I hope that they are beginning to understand how great Patrick Mahomes is because of Andy Reid. Also,
1: by the way, hand-picked. By Andy Reid. Thank you. I mean, thank I you. think that I mean that matters. Thank too. you very much. Uh, thank thank you so much. And, and we we'll move on to the next game, but like that's the same conversation we had. It, it's a little bit not as great of an extent because I think Andy Reid is still a better coach, even though John Harbaugh has a Super Bowl. Yeah. But it's what we were talking about with Ravens fans. Like, be careful what you wish for yeah. because you're gonna go, you're gonna fire John Harbaugh and bring in some unproven guy.
2: You're not gonna like. Uh, you you get might to not, see. you might not like what you get. No, you, I can assure you that. Uh, next game we're going to talk about Rams 30, Cowboys 22. Uh, listen. The Cowboys overachieved, in my opinion, this think season, they did. They did. and I and I think. Listen, I know that it's a fun storyline, and I like to clown on the Cowboys, but Jason Garrett deserves a little bit of credit for what I know he never he never he never gets any credit, right? And I no. think I think
1: no, the day he gets fired from this job, which won't be this offseason, but a couple offseasons, we're going to look back and they're going to say this was the, the era of missed opportunity. To me, there hasn't been a Cowboys team in the last 10 years that I thought, that's a team that can win the Super Bowl.
2: No, absolutely I, I not. I have not thought that. No, not There's while Robo, Jason Garrett's been coaching. Not even, that, been.
1: not even that great You know, rookie year with Dak and the Elliott. Like, yeah. that just, no. I don't see them winning a Super Bowl. They, they're missing enough pieces. They are good enough to be playoff contenders, and you could argue they should have been in the postseason more than they have. I, that's a fair criticism. For sure. But I don't think that he's had a Super Bowl team at any point, and I don't think it's because he's coaching a Super Bowl team out of contention. Yeah. I just think I think Jason Garrett's a coach that you're gonna get exactly what you what your team's talent level is from him.
2: For sure. And by the way, there are
1: a lot of teams that would take that. There are about 10 yeah. teams in the league that would just take yeah, he's can you kinda, get the equal amount of talent to win.
2: He's right in the middle, right? Yes. He's not bottom 15, but in the middle he's in the middle he's in, he's mi- right, he's in the he's, middle 10. Yeah, he's in the he's right in the middle and I think it's not like I'm trying to go on a on a huge spiel here about Jason Garrett. But I think it's important to remember the Rams roster is significantly, it's not close. significantly better yes. than the Cowboys roster. And, oh, and by the way, they were linebacker. on the road.
1: Everywhere except linebacker, correct. the Rams have a significantly superior roster.
2: Significantly. And the only other is the running back, you're probably even par with that, with Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. Although Gurley I take Todd Gurley
1: and CJ Anderson together. Are correct, team. correct. So, it's close. but it's. I love Zeke. So, you can Again, Zeke is a carrier team kind of back. but
2: Yeah, I just think it's interesting that the conversation, I, I think this is where it stems from. There are three teams in the NFC that haven't been to an NFC championship game over the last 30, 20 years yeah. and one of them is the Cowboys. Yeah. And so I think that that when you're a Cowboys fan because of the time with Jimmy Johnson and all and all those guys yeah. right and Troy Aikman and that and yeah. how they got used to winning and they how they got used to being Patriots-esque that this level of mediocrity yeah, really Yeah which
1: it's been a lot. I mean there've it, been a lot of non-playoff years here too.
2: But- yeah, but I would look if you're if you're angry with anybody Cowboys fans your your anger should be directed towards your ownership team. Because the way that the Cowboys are run is is not the way that usually turns into success. It's I, just not.
1: I am optimistic for their future though, because the way that their linebackers are playing their at defense is a super bowl caliber linebacker. Yes. Clayton like, Van Der Esch is a star. He
2: is a like, star. Like d
1: I didn't I I didn't say I hated that pick. I just I didn't, I didn't love, love that it. pick on draft day. He's a star. Yeah, He's a star. There again, that's a team that if they have another good draft and one or two key free agent pieces they need, I still think they need another wide receiver aside from Amari Cooper. I mean, I know, I know everybody's in love with Cole Beasley and what he can do, or Michael eh, Gallagher. Those no, guys are just they not consistent. They need somebody They need, they need a tight end, end. offense Thank so you. desperately, it's yeah. not even funny. But if you add a couple key pieces, you add a couple piece in the secondary, maybe another pass catcher somewhere on the field, this is a team that can mm-hmm. easily win that division again next year. For sure. You, and then maybe you, maybe you are able to sneak your way into 11 or 12-win territory where you can tease a number two seed. Where you're at a spot where you only have to win one playoff game at home to get to a conference championship game, instead of what they've had to do, which is win two games and sometimes one or both of them being on the road.
2: For sure, especially when you look at their, when you look at the division and the path for them to success there. Yeah. The Eagles is going to be an interesting offseason, yeah. right? I think – listen, they, they, they could,
1: have – They could be interesting because if you trade Nick Foles and you get tangible assets for him –
2: That is, I think, the way they upgrade their team All of a sudden,
1: that's a, that's a, that roster will get better. For sure. But yeah. they also don't have a backup plan anymore. Yes. Because Carson Wentz – If he gets injured – We can't even Carson Wentz has to finish the last two seasons. Thank you. And Nate Sudfeld isn't going to give them what Nick Foles has given them. No. But if they keep Nick Foles, I don't they know what they, do they, much they can't else. really add to that team. mm
2: no, and so, that's, that creates a different issue, a different set of issues when you're looking across that roster. And they had some
1: bad injuries in that game, like the Achilles injury. They're like, yeah. that's, that's going to linger into next year. I mean, there there are some issues on that offensive line. I mean, it's going to be between the Eagles and the Cowboys, and – Maybe because even as good of a season as the Redskins had, relative to my expectations for them, I don't know who
2: their quarterback is going to be. Just
1: playing football again. I know. More or less going to play for week one. Yeah,
2: and how long is Adrian Peterson? I mean, come on, they've he's even back. That's like, they got an aging Darius. Roster. Geis yeah. could be
1: something for them, but like he's coming off a of major injury. Yeah, they have, I just, no, they have no pass catching options. If
2: it, I mean, listen, a lot can happen between January and when we're talking about the beginning of the season. But as of right now, if you're forecasting to what next year is going to look like, yeah. it's a two team race between the Cowboys. Yeah. And 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 the Eagles. Unless the Giants
1: just draft Dwayne Haskins and win 13 games, you know.
2: Listen, if that happens, <laughs> I listen. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't I think. So. They, I think they could draft Haskins. They're not going to. I don't think
1: win double digit games next
2: year. We'll see. I'd uh, be happy
1: to be wrong. There's Funny.
2: there's always a last place to first place team in it, every it, year of the NFL. If,
1: if you, we'll talk about this in the off because the Giants are an interesting case of the got loss all the win. talent. Not with Eli Manning there. Not sure. with Eli, but they, everywhere they, else. Because you could argue that team is just as so much talent as the other teams in that division. You don't have a clear division winner. Uh, I, 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 that defense played a lot better. This, we won't talk about the non-playoff. I'm sorry, but
2: Saquon Barkley and, and no, Odell Beckham and, Jr. and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram make you instantaneously a contender if yes. you have the quarterback position. What we're trying to night. say
1: is that Dallas has had a tough run inside their division and tough one elsewhere. I don't think that they're underachieving. I think they have in, – in their totality, they're probably right about or ever so slightly underachieving in the Jason Garrett era, but it's not what fans think they are. No. I think they're massively underachieving. That there's no team that's been more overrated yeah. most years by their own fan base yeah. than the Dallas Cowboys, and,
2: and national media for that matter, yes. because they play into the popularity of the Cowboys. But
1: they're they were a good team this year. Uh, I'm, I see. I was very down them at the beginning of the year. Yeah. You know, and you know, I was extremely encouraged by this performance this year. I would be very optimistic from I'm a Cowboys fan. For because sure. I do think you're now in the category where you're a couple pieces away from being in the conversation.
2: Yeah. Listen. Get a good tight end, and that offense is going to change. You saw what Dak yeah, they had when Jason Witten was there. And uh, I know there's been speculation. You guys want to talk Jason Witten back into uh, playing football. He's enjoying the comfort of the booth, getting paid a lot of money. To do
1: to very, do to very, do very, 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 very poor coffee. Yeah,
2: yeah. it's he's, not a- he's-
1: not he's uh, terrible. Yeah, not good.
2: Jason, nice guy, not good broadcast.
1: Great football player, yeah. not football good broadcaster. <laughs>
2: Sorry. All right, two Sunday games we're going to get into. Uh, first, the one that was, and I'm going to say it, a coaching clinic. Mm-hmm. The Patriots dismantled. It's the only word I can use. Dismantled the Chargers. It was. It was a perfection from their from what the Patriots do best, and that is. If you know what Bill Belichick does, he knows your weaknesses, okay? And he knows your strengths. And with two weeks' time, you give him that time at home, and he is going to take away what you think you are going to do, and you better game plan for that. And Anthony Lynn did not, and he made no adjustments, and they stayed in the zone, and it was like, "What in the hell are you guys doing?"
1: This was—I'm not going to say I told you so, but I told yourself you, so. you, you to did. You deserve so. to have. It I know. I didn't expect so. them to blow them out. I expected no. them to win and it to be significant, but not like this. I thought they would win by like a touchdown. Yeah.
2: Or no, 10 this points, was maybe. this was a this was a dis. I mean. Just completely, completely a shit show for the Chargers. So
1: anyone who knows me knows just from where I'm from. I'm not a fan of things Boston. Yeah. Boston sports, just me you don't know, get
2: a
0: <laughs>
1: But I would say as a football fan. Yeah. The first four Patriots drives of this game were masterful. Yes. They man. were it was a it was like football porn, if you yeah. like good offense. Yes. And not just like, oh I'm gonna throw an ADR pass downfield suit. No. no. It's just a systematic destruction of the Chargers defense. And they, just, they, they pinpointed the weaknesses, and the Chargers were unwilling to change. Yep. They were, were going to play seven DBs, or for that, most of that first drive, because uh, Adaya got hurt, so they played six DBs in a linebacker. Yep. We're going to play in the dime always, yep. period. We're not going to get out of it. We're going to play small. And the Patriots are like, you know what? Go Fine. ahead. We're going to run it down your throat. We're going to hit you with short passes to James White. And if you remember what I said at the, at the, on Thursday's podcast, I said the MVPs for the Patriots in this game would be Sony Michelle and James White. And That is why. Yep. Patriot's fine. You don't want us to go downfield? We don't Great. go downfield anymore. Great. Gronk can't get open. Nope. June Edelman doesn't go past fifteen yards down the line no. of scrimmage. We don't go deep anymore. Josh Korn is off somewhere else doing yeah. something. Yeah. Like posting on Instagram after the game. They you don't, don't have go downfield anymore. Don't have to, so though. don't take away the deep pass because they don't need it. No. And the Patriots said and the biggest difference between this Patriots team and the Patriots teams in the last couple of years is they have an effective running game yeah. that's been consistent. This multiple
2: was, running backs. Yes. Like you have Rex Burkhead. I mean, he got in the end zone. He's, yeah, have, he's finally. You had Sony Michelle, who's a difference maker on this team. Yes, he he's it a op- massive difference maker. And it opens up what they're able to do with James White and to have James White shine in what he's really, really good at because now they have multiple backs. That he's are better healthy. than
1: Dion Lewis had playing with Dion Lewis. Right? Yes, like correct. That, that's, correct. That's what's happening.
2: This is it. Was a masterful for performance and Gronk, although not had a couple of moments yeah, of bronch, he block, he right? he blocked
1: well. But he He's was, not the greatest blocker of all time, like the was trying to make him out to be. Um, no, but, but he, he was, was blocking he very well. well. He had a big catch and looked gronky in when yeah. was breaking the tackles down the field. It's also interesting because I'm going to go off the sidebar here because we talk a lot about tendency breakers of the draft and, and coaches that aren't afraid to make decisions. And it's a lot easier to make these decisions when you're good. Everything you hear now from every person on Twitter who thinks – because now we live in a world where everybody's draft analysts, yeah. okay? I never claim to be – I listen to smart people. I'll give a shout-out to my guys. You're, you're wearing their sweat right now, the Draft Network.
2: Yeah, they're also, smart. I trust
1: them because you know what? I've watched their preparation process. I've watched film with those guys, and I go – I've watched the hours they put in. Like, I trust those guys.
2: To be a actual draft analyst, you have to put in work.
1: So it's not – It's a full-time can, job. 100%. I would go ask those guys how many hours they put in on a yeah. week, even, even in like the off-season on it. Uh, I mean, I've been with them to, at the Senior Bowl, and, yeah. and I've, I've seen all that stuff. So, to me, I don't ever have a great—I don't have a full evaluation of a player until I see him in the NFL. So, I rely on those guys. These guys aren't saying this, but there. Everybody else on Twitter who likes to think they're a draft expert because they read too—you know—they they read these cliches. They always tell you that you can't draft a running back in the first round. Can't draft. Can't found, You can find them anywhere. You know, look, look where we found Alvin Kamara. Look, we found all these guys. So I, I watched games this weekend. Where was Sony Michelle drafted? First round. Where was Todd Gurley drafted?
0: First round. Okay. Where was
1: Ezekiel Elliott drafted? First round. Okay. Then just some other guys we're talked about. Where was Saquon Barkley drafted? First round. Okay. You can find offense-changing players, the guys that change the look of your franchise at that position, but you typically find them in the first round. Sure, they're a boss. Sure, you can find great players like David Johnson or Alvin Kamara in other rounds. It happens. But – just think. Of, I mean, he wasn't at full strength this weekend, but where's Melvin Gordon drafted? Because he looked he looked toppled still. But yeah. and, but look at what the season he had. And you start to look at all these players and go, okay, the top game-changing backs, the majority of them were drafted in yeah. round one, and a lot of them drafted in the top ten for in sure. round one. For sure. So this is one of those things where you can't always get upset at your franchise for saying, especially when they think they're close to, to being a contender, we're going to try to get a game-changer at a position that touches the ball 20, 25 times a game.
2: Yeah. Not only that, Rant over you, in
1: there. But that was my that was my bookend. No, no, the Michelle stuff.
2: I think I think it's a really smart point you bring up because when you're talking about, listen, I love what Alvin Kamara's done. But if you've looked, he wasn't all that effective yesterday. Okay, we'll get into that game. And he has Mark Ingram, and he has one of the best offenses in the league, and he has one of the best offensive minds in the league, and he has one of the best quarterbacks in the league. If you look at the difference between what Ezekiel Elliott does Bar- from a talent yeah. perspective, I love Alvin Kamara. He's great. But he's not Ezekiel Elliott and, and guys. And we'll
1: see. He might get a chance next year. He was a free agent. We might For get sure. to see what Alvin Kamara, yeah. sixteen games of your year back. 100. But
2: the 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 discussion of the running backs being disposable, yes. right? That you can just plug and play these guys, and yet, I'm sorry, but no. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but no. That that conversation goes, should not happen.
1: It goes back to talent, because again, it, it's not reaching Because I know there are a lot of Seahawks fans listening right now, and they're not very happy with my assessment of taking a running back in the first round. But that's because you don't take a, a running back that's great in the third round, in yeah. the first round.
0: Yeah, you, if you took the a, wrong if running back. If there's a
1: game-changer. We knew what Zeke was coming out. We knew what Saquon Barkley was Correct. coming out. We knew what Todd Gurley was coming out. They were just concerns whether or not he would have some issues with the ACL. Yeah. We knew what Melvin Gordon was coming out. When you know there's an actual game-changing back and that's coming out in the draft, yeah. don't freak out that your team might take them there. Because, no. yes, you can find a Philip Lindsay somewhere. We'll see if you can do it multiple years. You might be able to find a Kamara or a David Johnson. You can find those guys. But... Running backs in the top 10 that, you are, that are graded there and drafted there are no riskier than a lot of the other positions. They're probably a lot less riskier than quarterbacks.
2: Not only that, that just but accept. let's talk about, and we'll get back to this when we get into the offseason, but the longevity of what these guys who are drafted early on versus some of these guys who are kind of flash in the pan type of things. Because, yes, I love David Johnson, but David Johnson wasn't David Johnson this year inside of that offense. There's 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 yes. a difference between the guys who are sure things who are who change your offense because they have a defense has to prepare a certain way for Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott than it does for and I love Philip Lindsay and what he did this year but let's see what he can do long term yes Zeke I've watched Zeke do this for three straight years I've watched Todd Gurley do and this carried, for, for three team. years correct. Uh, let's get into the last game here, unless you have any parting thoughts on how good the Patriots were.
1: I, I, I just again, they just systematically destroyed them on both sides of the ball. On
2: the Chargers just... on the Chargers side, here is what I would say. I know both of us, uh, all three of us, were huge fans, even to the point where Jake picked the Chargers to win this this game this year. Uh, Phillip Rivers looked great this season. He didn't have a great postseason. But going forward, this team with a healthy Melvin Gordon and a healthy couple of upgrades, I think this team – can't compete and and have a couple. You probably have two more really good years of Philip Rivers, right? You probably your window um, with him is probably one or two, yes, maybe a little yes. more.
1: The but one thing the one thing I do want to mention was that the, the dirty little secret is that the Chargers' offense has been garbage for a month. Yes, it has. Melvin Gordon is hurt,
2: very like, hurt. Clearly, like, I mean, he's he a is, step slower.
1: Yeah, I saw there was a run he had in the first quarter to the outside. I think he caught a pass actually. And he got the first down, but I went, wow. And he's a guy I watched a lot this year. He was on my fantasy team. He looks at three-quarter speed at best. He is still banged up.
2: Huge difference for that offense. Rivers
1: did not play well in this game. He did not play well the last three weeks. But nobody played well for the Chargers. No. But, uh, yes, you still have a window here, but it's very short. Yeah. Unless they were able to find a quarterback in the future like they did that breeze to Rivers transition. Yeah. We'll see. Last one on the running backs. For the last four years, I'm going to read you all the fir- picks running back's taken in the first round in the last four years. Okay. okay? Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> Leonard Fournette, Rashad Penny, Sony Michelle, Saquon Barkley. Yeah. So there's one bust in there.
2: Yeah. And, and I would tell you that when Rashad Penny was drafted, I was live. I was hosting a draft show. And guys who I really respect, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, who write for the Draft Network now, were baffled. They were like –
1: I was I, as I sent you the pick, I was like, oh.
2: They could not believe – there was nobody that had a high – that had that high of a grade on Rashad Penny. And listen, I'm not saying Rashad Penny might not turn out to be – a, a serviceable back. He was not a first round draft pick. No. Sorry to see the, the
1: difference here at the running back position is you need to get early results from them because yeah. of their shelf life. But you have again, to be ready
2: to go, and eight, he was not.
1: Eight running backs were taken in the first round of the last four drafts. Seven of them are Pro Bowl caliber or better. Stop telling me that it's a risk to take a running back early. Yeah? Because show me another position on offense. Wide receivers are more risky, quarterbacks yeah. are far more risky, offensive linemen have been risky. It's, so almost, I,
2: a, it's almost the 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 easiest I don't want to say and I would I would lean on my guys at the draft network and I'll talk to them and maybe I'll bring this up as a topic for them to discuss but the most sure transition into the NFL from a positional standpoint mm-hmm. but, but like guys that carry
1: the load in college carrying the load can carry the load yes. in the
2: NFL and I think that just when I'm thinking and I'm looking and I'm Visualizing in my mind all the guys that I'm thinking off the top of my head, even guys who had you know some wide receivers who were great. There's just, I feel like there's just more to change and more it's to integrate in the offense. You're, yeah. you're
1: expected to do a lot more. Yeah, I mean, it happens. And just again, and a just,
2: quarterback position is probably the toughest to to transition from a quarterback yes. in, in college football to the NFL. The other
1: side of the argument is yes, you can find good running backs in the second, third, fourth round, you can find those, but Absolutely. that doesn't mean, but you rarely find game changers. You find starting caliber players, but you rarely find game changers.
2: Also, our argument here is to not say... To not that, rule it out. To not rule out and not be critical of guys being taken in the first round because we just named you damn good seven examples. Seven of eight running backs Yes, of
1: the last four drafts. That's
2: a that's pretty good damn hitting percentage there yes. when you're talking about... And, and like we said, the one that's on the outside was one that nobody else had evaluated in the first round. So that's yeah. just a Seahawks. Well, that's their
1: fault. But still, that. seven out of eight, I mean, I'll take that. And again, guys that went... Just to, just to look at up just to get off this ramp, and then we'll get back into the, the Sunday, <laughs> uh, the last game, Sunday. But I think this is important because it's just going to happen a lot. Guys like Nick Chubb, guys like Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, second round picks in those rounds too. Yeah. I mean, Derek Henry went the second round of those drafts. TJ Yell. I mean, so like
2: a lot of guys who are
1: high in those drafts
2: for sure, absolutely. So All right, back to the,
1: back to playoffs. But back I just to want to the, get that rant off my chest. I have one more rant saved for later.
2: Perfect. Can't wait for that rant. Uh, the last game we're going to talk about here is the New Orleans Saints. They get a victory, twenty to fourteen. Um, so what I will say, my evaluation of this game, the saints, a lot of people discuss when you have a bye week and then, and you've locked it up, right? Yeah. They sat their guys week 17 and then they had an offense and an offense. It is their defense no, gets the drafted
1: rookie free agent, but
2: they, they sat their offense and they had, they had two and a half weeks basically for mm-hmm. this game. They were sluggish Their the first quarter. It was, it was like when you watch the preseason and it looks like they haven't all been working it together took a full in a while half
1: to kind of get
0: into
2: it, it. And that's one of my criticism of that, because I get it. You don't want your you don't want Drew Brees to get hurt. You don't want. But even just playing them for a half, when you take that much time off, it looked like that offense was out of sync. And at home to see that offense be out of sync was bizarre because they took a lot of penalties, a lot yeah. of bad penalties. Well, what, what's the
1: first offensive play of the game? I mean, is is, uh, is Drew Brees throwing a, a
2: throwing a pick? And listen, as I discussed this morning with with our boss, I talked to him and I go, listen. If that play turns into they score a touchdown there, I think the I think the Saints blow the doors off the Eagles, right? I yep. think if that was a touchdown, the offense gets rolling, the defense has some confidence coming onto the field, and the crowd is losing their minds. Yes. But instead of that, you had the pick and the momentum of the game was completely changed up until the Taysom Hill play where they go and they and they fake punt. And it's funny
1: because this is, this is the game, I think, of missed opportunities. I yeah. know everyone's going to talk about the ball that goes through Jeffrey's hands at the end of the game, but this, there was a lot of these things that happened before that. One was the fake punt, which I saw coming. The Eagles saw it coming. They played that fake punt about as well as you can play a fake punt without giving away that you know it's a fake punt. Yeah. But sometimes you only have to get a half a yard, and Taysom Hill was just kind of plowed and just kept his feet moving and was able yeah. to finally get enough of it. But. Again, it, it's a gutsy call by Sean Payton. This is one of those ones where if it, it works, so everyone's <laughs> happy. Now, if it didn't work, he'd be the biggest idiot. Yeah, everybody know, would be.
2: Everybody would be arguing
1: and about. Everybody what a could pretend decision. this is not results based decision making. How we evaluate coaches, but it is a lot of times. Uh, but I also thought there was a play uh, where I believe it was near the end of the first half, where a lot, of, a lot of footballs running together here. Well, the Eagles are driving. They're near midfield, and full shows an interception. They're gonna. They have a fourteen nothing lead at that point. So if that this game is 17 nothing going into half or 21 nothing going into half, this is a much different game. All of a sudden they get the Saints get a little bit of momentum on their side and they get right back in this game. That was a tremendous missed opportunity. We talked last week about how Nick Foles will give you the ball a couple times a game. Yeah. He is going to give you those opportunities. That wasn't taken advantage of last week mm-hmm. by the Bears. They just they, they went, I mean Nick Foles threw them a gift in the corner of the end zone yep. with three bears there and they couldn't take advantage of it. Yeah the Saints found a way to take advantage of those turnovers just enough
2: to win the football to win game. the game and
1: then obviously you have the missed catch at the end of the game where this thing's get real interesting real quick as the Eagles are driving back down the field there they had their opportunity
2: yeah it kind of felt like listen i i hate the we play not to lose the game at the end of the game from Sean Payton that was my one my other than the, the from a from a good football standpoint, they played a very ugly football. That was, game.
1: yeah. They that was all one the of winners, the worst games. I the
2: yeah, they looked the worst, and I think it was a little bit sluggish. And then overall, they just a lot of penalties, a lot of it was just. I don't. I expect the exact opposite next week yes. when when we see them play. I think they got that out of their out of their system, but it was they're lucky to have survived because at the end, obviously, you can look at the missed field goal, and then they get good field yeah. field position going back. But I looked at that and I got, Sean Payton, who is never conservative, okay, plays conservative in that yeah. moment and doesn't play to really were win that football game. They were scared. They were scared. And scared. I'm watching the game and I go, Come on, Sean. You play to win the football game. You don't play no. not to lose. And you are very lucky because Nick Foles does have that last-second magic. And no. if Alshon Jeffrey catches that football, I truly believe that the Eagles win that football. Game. I, I do. I,
1: I, yeah, and they could have, look. There's. I've talked about Nick Foles a lot. You're going to hear a lot of talk about Nick Foles' sausage. Yeah, you know, as, as is deserved. Whether he stays in, in Philadelphia, whether he's traded, whether – I mean I don't think they're going to cut him because they can get value for him and they're not going to say that much on the cap. but They might. Um, like look, all his money is – like almost all his money is guaranteed. So he's going to get paid. The, th- the two things that he does really well, I think the one thing he does really well in particular, he is elite against the, the blitz, rush. Yeah. You cannot blitz this game. No. He is just – I mean the way he, he loves the, it. The, how quickly he gets the ball out of his uh. hands. I mean he has a stupid good – completion percentage against the blitz. Yeah. So he does that really well. If he's always going to turn the ball over a touch, like yeah. it's always been a concern of his, mm-hmm. has a pretty good deep ball. But when you blitz him, he is not afraid. But as you've seen in these last couple games, he will throw you the ball at extremely inopportune times Yeah. and really hurt his team. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. He's clearly a starting role somewhere. in Absolutely.
2: The there are plenty of quarterbacks I can think of that are not as good as he is.
1: Although I would not be shocked if the Eagles just bite the bullet and keep him. Yeah. I would not be surprised because you look at what's happened the last two seasons. I don't they, think you have to justify this to your fan base on why you think you need to keep two No, No, and,
2: and, and, and to be fair, I think the fan base kind of embraces him at this standpoint where I think they're going to be upset if they let him go. And I think unless – if, if, it, if it, they get a lot in return, I understand.
1: So this is a good question I want to ask you. What is the more pressure-filled situation for Carson Wentz? them trading Nick Foles or them keeping Nick Foles? Because I can see an argument both ways. If they keep Nick Foles and Carson Wentz struggles at any point in the season again, people are going to be screaming for Nick Foles. But if they trade Nick Foles and Carson Wentz struggles, are people going to go more, more nuts That well, how, how could you have traded Nick Foles?
2: See, I think if they trade him away, it's more pressure-filled because I think that there has – I think the two of them have kind of this understanding that doesn't really work anywhere else. Yeah. But Doug Peterson It's too, almost like
1: Nick Foles has become Josh McCow, but at a younger age.
2: Yes. And and to, to to Doug Peterson's credit, I think he has probably and you've seen it a little bit on the field, but probably behind the scenes encouraged both of them to be who they are and make them both feel valued. Yeah. And that's incredibly hard to do because usually the ego comes in the way, right? Absolutely. But when you if you've met or listened to Carson Wentz talk or if you've listened to Nick Foles talk, you kind of have the two perfect guys for the scenario because yeah. they don't have egos. No. These guys are, Shocking. these guys are, these guys are really down to earth guys. And I think they've embraced this kind of like tandem that it, listen, if we win, everything's good between us. Right. Because at the end of the day, everybody just wants to win.
1: And to be fair, they're both getting paid. Correct. Like they're both getting like they're actual both getting, cash. They're correct. both, they're, they're both not both, hurt.
2: They both feel valued from monetary standpoint yeah. and they feel valued from a fan base standpoint and they feel valued from from a coaching which standpoint. helps and
1: obviously personality is the biggest factor but i Huge. do think the money is a small factor too because if you have a guy that's like hey i haven't made that much money relative to football players yes. i haven't made that much money in my career i'm finally having this opportunity i feel like i'm being held back nick Foles has like 20 million guaranteed in cash coming to him in a couple yes. months he's not worried about getting his no, he's no, gonna no, get no. less money in his next deal than he's just got yeah no for he's, this gonna,
2: deal. he's gonna get paid i think if you trade him the pressure for Carson Wentz not only to play well but to stay healthy, healthy.
0: Yeah.
2: in that offense because I think for him now, he if Nick Foles stays, he can concentrate completely on getting himself to a yeah. point where he is completely 100% healthy and ready to go. If they trade Nick Foles… There's going to be a, the Philadelphia media, the fans. Mm-hmm. Which, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to live up to where they drafted him, yes. to live up to what they expect from him, and to live up to the expectations of St. Nick because yes. now you, ha- you have this, we don't know, that's ex- this, this we stuff don't, that's happened. We don't
1: know how Carson Wentz performs down the stretch.
2: We don't know. We don't we know, know how Carson it.
1: Wentz performs in the postseason. And
2: listen, he might be great. And we still don't know. But he might be terrible. We don't know. Those are, those are two no. different scenarios, and, and, and there's something to be said with – when with pressure on him, Nick Foles has success, he's still, he's and nobody as much can as you could have asked him. Yeah, nobody I can you. discredit that. I'm
1: with you 100. I think there's actually more pressure if Nick Foles is traded than if he's still there. I yeah. agree with you completely. That's I, why I brought the question up. Yeah. I'm like, I've been thinking about. You can that.
2: argue both ways, right? But sure. I mean,
1: there's pressure. There's different types of pressure.
2: Yes, I just think that this is a in in unusual. And usually, what happens with quarterbacks is this: you saw it with Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Tom didn't want Jimmy there, guys. No. That's, no, no, why that's why. Jimmy's that's gone. why Jimmy is gone. Right?
1: That's why Jimmy's off in San Francisco.
2: He didn't like having somebody who could take over his starting job. And Tom won enough to be able to say, "Guys, gotta go." Yeah. Right. Okay, that ha- that happened. You had yeah. a similar scenario, of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, where Brett Favre has to go play somewhere else because yeah. it was time for Aaron Rodgers to play football in Green Bay. Yeah,
1: they just got annoyed with Favre at that
2: point. Yeah, for so sure. We're
1: retiring, I'm retiring.
2: Yeah, I mean, but there's there's a this doesn't usually happen. You don't usually have one. You don't usually have from a financial standpoint because yeah. Carson Wentz is still on rookie, the rookie money. Deals, yeah. There's not there is this unique financial structure that can work out for a little bit longer.
1: Right. And look, it's one year. You have a one-year window if you have to eat it. Like you're going to eat the money, it looks like, no matter what. But yeah. the Eagles aren't worried about paying the cash. They're worried about the cap and the ability to, to move guys. I don't. I think it would have to be – I think I would need multiple firsts Yeah. for me to feel comfortable. Because he's a starting I, quarterback. I look at this and it's – not that no multiple firsts are what Nick Foles is worth because he's not. But to the Eagles, he is because I, I look at this now and I look at this – a lot differently than it did last offseason. Because this was a very similar conversation we had last offseason at Super Bowl. Do they keep Nick Foles? Do they trade him? they get a big return? You already have a franchise quarterback. But then Wentz got hurt again. And I'm looking at this and I go, you know what? A Super Bowl window is so finite for everybody yeah. that's not the Patriots. Yep. The and even the really good teams, it's a five- or six-year window. Yep. And you're now what? You're, you're going to walk into year three of this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you, you would probably have a one- to three-year window left of being a major Super Bowl contender. You can't win a Super Bowl with Nate Sudfeld. Period. No. I
2: didn't
1: think he went into the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, but then I watched it happen. <laughs> so now I can't say that. And I watched what he did this year, and he did a damn good job this Listen, year, until they faced t- a much better team in the same Alshon
2: Jeffrey catches that football, and I'm telling you, nobody wants to play that football team.
1: As much as I would like to have the cap space, and as much as I would like to have the multiple picks that I could get, I know that I now have the best insurance I could possibly have if my starting injury-prone quarterback gets hurt again. Yeah. And that I, might, I can still – my team still believes they can win a Super Bowl mm-hmm. even if my starting quarterback goes out. I think that's an invaluable piece of confidence to have on your team that I would have to now be blown away by an offer to trade Nick Foles. And yeah. I never thought I'd say that last year when this happened. No, he's also blown away.
2: he's also at this point he's 29 years old, guys. He mm-hmm. still has a, a quite a bit of a window here. He's not an old guy. Okay, he's got this is this is prime time. This is elite. This is this is you're coming into your prime. You got plenty of time here from Nick Bolk's status. So you're looking at some of the possible I just pulled his name up just to see some of the names he's being linked to. Obviously, the Jaguars are a team that really need a quarterback, right? Yes, you're looking at the Giants, although they they're not they're non-committal with Eli, right? He's going to play there.
1: He's gonna play there yeah. until they find somebody better. Yes. And that's that's so could there, be in this draft, it could be in next draft.
2: There's there's quite a few scenarios where he can he can come be a starting quarterback and play and have instant impact. I think the Jaguars are probably the off the top of my head, you look at that scenario and you go, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They have a great defense, sure. yeah. they have they have some pieces on offense, they have to upgrade their offense a little bit. But a huge upgrade over what they have right now.
1: Here's the issue the Eagles have right now, and not um, I know we're going a little bit off some of these playoff games, yeah. but I think these storylines are important because it, the Eagles are right now going into next year. We don't know how much the cap's going to go up if at all, but they're but they're 12 they're a little over twelve million dollars over the cap next yep. year. They're most of their players are signed, but they still need to sign a handful of guys. But let's just use this. Let's say the cap doesn't go up for the sake of argument. They have to clear twelve million dollars. That's part of their problem because they're going to have to, and then to figure out for the other players, they have to get there. They'll need to clear. Let's say the cap goes up just enough to cover the extra six or seven guys they need on the roster on on league minimum deals. They still need to clear twelve or thirteen million. It's going to be tough for them to do that. Nelson Aguilar is the first cut that's easy for me because you can save almost nine and a half million of that. But you're going to have to start cutting other players. And if you trade Nick Foles, he covers that completely and then some. Yeah. So, I mean, if you trade Nick Foles, you can cover all the pla- – the, the handful of blood you still off to sign, you can cover the base you have over, and you still have a couple extra million. That's why people are talking about this, if you cut or trade him. Yeah. Um, but –
2: I think, it, the thing I think it, you have to look
1: at your Super Bowl window and say that's really difficult for me to do even if it makes perfect sense from a, a cap standpoint. I'm
2: telling you I do not envy Doug Peterson and I don't know the GM's name in Philadelphia, but I do not envy – still Howie Roseman? I think it is, but I d- didn't know for certain. I, I can't yeah. – I do not
1: – Or that he's executive vice president. I don't know. Yeah, their, their power structure is interesting.
2: So I do not envy their decision-making here because you can really – the I, when I make a decision that's a tough decision, I always make a pros and cons yeah. list. And I feel like I could probably pro and con both scenarios about evenly, which makes this decision nearly impossible because to one extent, one, they obviously know more about Carson Wentz's health, which we do not. So I think that's a huge part of this conversation because if Carson Wentz, if they get a bill of health on Carson Wentz that even has any indication that he's not going to be ready for next season and you trade away Nick Foles, that's going to turn out to be a huge disaster for them. Huge disaster for them. Now – if they get if if they have as we've said before throughout this postseason, technically we were the conversations were happening that if Nick Foles got injured because he was injured at yeah. one point going into this going into this postseason, Carson Wentz could potentially play.
1: Yeah, which I didn't buy.
2: I didn't buy either. You don't
1: think he's recover from a back injury just because the no, quarterback?
2: Gets so like, I think there's like, a there's a lot to happen here that we obviously do not know or are not privy to as of right now with the health of Carson Wentz, and I think that really. That is what makes this decision for them.
1: The reality is, if you if you keep Nick Foles, multiple of these players have to either be cut or traded. Nelson Aguilar, Jason Peters, Michael Bennett, Jason Kelsey, and Chris Wong.
2: That's a lot of guys. That's guys. A lot of good players. There's a lot of impact players. So on Aguilar your team. is
1: the easy. well, Let's move on from him. But you're still going to need to. Yeah, you're still you need can. somebody else has to go in some capacity.
2: Yeah, that's tough.
1: And it's, it's going to be tough to figure that out. Love. like, because most of the guys here, the guys that are signed are either very good players or they're just not going to get any cap relief. Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're they're, they're this in a tough f- situation because yeah, they're a- not going to really be able to add to this team much in the offseason if they don't trade Nick Foles.
2: This is going to be a really fun conversation for for non-Eagles fans for the yeah. offseason cuz we're going to this is going to be one of the topics we probably hit once a week throughout the offseason just cuz there's yeah. going to be updates continuously about this. Quickly, Jamie, before we wrap this up, I want one, your parting thoughts, and two, to tease that on Wednesday, uh, I want to go through, and we talked about this on Thursday, all the coaching staffs because they're, yes. they're falling more into place now. We've had a lot of that a lot of hires, one that made me very happy, and Chuck Pagano going to yes. Chicago. That, yeah, uh, the,
1: the Jake Jake screaming it from the rooftops on the podcast. Go hire Chuck pa- it didn't happen already.
2: Go hire Chuck Pagano, and sure enough, Chicago listened and got that yep. done. And there's been some others along the way. There's also been speculation, obviously, with some teams that are still coaching uh, who are going to fulfill those yeah, positions. It's, it's so
1: funny because I remember all the years we used to like it would be wait till after Super Bowl, and the coordinators of the Super Bowl winning team were almost guaranteed to get coaching yeah. interviews. And now everyone's like, yeah, we're not waiting.
2: No, now we now we know that certain certain coaches are going to be in certain scenarios. So Wednesday, uh, we got a lot of feedback. I got quite a few people, uh, whether it was texting or tweeting, uh, telling me that they love the coaching breakdown. So we're going to give that a full evaluation on Wednesday, especially since Jake will be back with us. So we'll go through all of that. Uh, yeah, we're not cool then, enough to golf with them. Yeah, we're not cool enough to do. And I hate <laughs> golfing, so that's, I can't, that's yeah, I can't. yeah, I can't golf. So fr- and then Friday we will uh, get into the postseason games. Obviously, the conference championships. We will get full breakdowns, lots of analysis. This is going to be a really listen. It's going to be really fun, and it's it's what we it's from an it's NFC the best
1: single day in, in the NFL season, in my opinion, Ch- uh, championship Sunday.
2: Agreed, and I, it's exactly I picked the Rams and the Saints to be in the NFC championship game. Uh, I thought it was going to be Patriots and Steelers. It's Patriots and Chiefs. Yeah. Um, I think if you thought, if you told me now that you thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be as good as he is, you're lying. Yeah, you're a liar. Unless uh, you're in the
1: Chiefs organization, yeah, it's the only people I hear from. Yeah, there was a, a fun. Uh, I'm I, I, sorry, I didn't. I, I'm bad at getting names. I see things, I scroll through my feed, and then yeah. it pop up in my head. Uh, but there was somebody that did that works for NFL.com that did like a breakout player list at the beginning of the year. And he texted the um, the president of the Chiefs and said, "Is Patrick Mahomes going to make me look bad if I put him in my top five? And the response back was, "Only if you don't put him number one." Wow! So there's a ton. This was the preseason. So Damn, I like, got chills. That's a ton, awesome. A ton of confidence. Uh, Our side of the Chiefs organization, we thought Patrick Mahomes would be good. Nobody I thought didn't think he, he was going to have be an MVP. Season. The MVP, which he absolutely deserves to be.
2: Yeah, I I didn't see it. I knew he was going to be good. Uh, I was a big fan of him coming out of college because Bruce Arians talked so incredibly highly about him, was gushing about him. And I consider Bruce the quarterback whisperer. So to hear him talk about him, I said, listen, yeah. you sit for a year and it's a huge, it's a huge difference for a young quarterback. And he did with a coaching staff and a smart veteran and Alex Smith, who doesn't get any credit, obviously, uh, but deserves a little bit of credit yeah. for, for allowing for that to happen and, and for helping and mentoring him. And Patrick Mahomes has said that much, uh, Jamie, any parting thoughts?
1: So my last rant of the day. Yeah, um, ran it away. I love my, my, it. My parting thoughts here, and this was – and I mentioned this on the show on Thursday. This was the first time in NFL history that the majority of the public money were on all four underdogs to win. And my, my rant is this, and it's it's not directed at any individuals. It's just the overall concept because I think we're so often falling in this trap on the second weekend of the NFL playoffs. The teams that have buys have usually locked up their buy home for the manager division early. So they're rarely playing at full capacity, if at all, in week 17. Sometimes even in week 16, we see, like, they, they start to rest guys. So we, look, we haven't seen those teams in a while. So you look at those teams like the Rams or the Chiefs or the Saints, you're like, ah, I haven't. It's been about maybe four weeks since you've seen them really play at full speed. Then you see these teams that come into town. They won last week. Even if they won ugly, usually they had some big plays at some point in the game, offensively or defensively. There was excitement around them. There's momentum,
2: so it's Chargers so in
1: easy to go on the weekend of going. I just saw this team beat another playoff team, and they're playing really well. And we forget, like, oh, you know, man, you know, the Saints. You know, you know I can't remember when they were playing well. with The Rams, when well, they struggled. Like I hear the Rams strong down the stretch as if nobody watched the final two weeks of the regular season for the Rams playing. I've heard that so many times going into this week. Yeah,
2: LOL. <laughs> all
1: the Patriots, you know, they're done. They're not... Kansas City, you know, all the plus. And, like, and... It's natural because the tendency is we have seen the four road teams
0: mm-hmm.
1: play well
0: yeah.
1: within that week. Yeah, I get it. And a lot of times we haven't seen the four home teams play well or a at couple full capacity weeks, in, a couple
2: weeks. in three or
1: four weeks because they locked it up. The Saints haven't been playing real football. They didn't play week 17. They didn't try. No, The Rams didn't try. I mean, the Rams were playing nobody toward the end of the year, but they beat them up pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the Patriots locked up their division. I mean, all the other stuff. Like, we haven't seen these teams really try in a while. So we forget how good they were, Mm -hmm. and we always fall in the trap of, like, we forget how good those teams were. The Saints and the Rams were the clear two best teams in the NFC all season. Yeah, Nothing changed.
2: No.
0: They
1: were healthy for these games. Okay? You look at the Patriots and the Chiefs. The Chiefs were the best team in the NFC throughout. I know they struggled here, and they went up and down. They lost to the Chargers, but they were the clear number one team throughout. The Patriots were pretty good. They weren't great, but they were pretty good throughout. Yeah. That's what I could yeah. see a little bit, because I thought that you, that you could make the Chargers-Patriots sure. argue.
2: They were still a, the second seed with the Bible.
1: But with the Chiefs, and particularly with the Chiefs, the Patriots game was simple. There was a coaching matter. But yeah. from just going in the Chiefs, the Saints, the Rams, we forget how good these teams are that have these buys because they lock up so early. We yeah. forget that they have been elite all season, that they were the best teams. Yeah. This was the best example of that, because aside from the Saints, and then they had their hands full, Everybody else kind of systematically beat up on the other teams. I know it was technically a one-score game in Dallas. And I know there's in the grass, but the Rams were a, a far superior team with C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley both just destroying that Dallas defense. Yeah. No. So just don't forget how good these teams were all year because you haven't seen them in a few weeks play full capacity. It's
2: the ultimate example of the recency bias. It is the legitimately the ultimate yeah. example, and how how little time it actually takes for the recency yes. bias to take over, right? Because yes. because From week
1: sixteen to the yeah, original round, you're talking less than a month, forget.
2: three weeks. Yes. Yeah, like it's it's like we all have we we can't remember anything that hasn't happened in yep. the last five days because it's like, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. That's just how our society is. So it's interesting to see how the recency bias just plays out right in yes. front of our faces because. If you thought that anybody other than the Rams and the Saints were – and even when the Bears beat the beat the Rams, that was the one you thought, okay, maybe they might mix it up. But they were playing the Rams. I would have understood if it was yes. Bears versus Rams and you had a discussion there. I didn't think the Cowboys had a shot against the, the Rams. The
1: other thing, too, here is I, I remember weird that this was the league of offense and then the last four weeks was the league of defense and offense was dead and we're back to old football. Yeah. And then all the good defenses missed, uh, went out in the first round. Yeah, So, like, again – there, we have seen less and less over the years. There was a long time when there was a tendency of that one of those teams coming off the bye was going to get absolutely destroyed at home. Like yeah. It felt like a yearly tradition. <laughs> um, it hasn't been as much the last few years. Let's, again, let's remember the season in totality. Like let's, let's, the recency bias, like I, I, there's a podcast listening to it called the, the Francesa uh, assessment, where Francesa, if anybody that's lived in the New York area knows who Mike Francesa is, is like this, the NFL season doesn't begin until after Thanksgiving. Okay, that's nice, but I have 12 games that go on before, 11 to 12 games that go on before Thanksgiving. Let's look at the season in totality. Let's look at what these teams have built over the course of multiple weeks. Let's just not look at the last two or three weeks when we determine. The last two or three weeks matter. I mean, you can have a team that's backing in, but let's look at totality because all of these games matter. And when it comes to evaluating a team and a player and a coaching staff and a system, absolutely. Let's just not get caught up in the moment of we saw one team win, it's so easy. We see one of the teams win the week before, and we haven't seen the other team play in two weeks, and sometimes haven't played in full capacity in three or four weeks. So it's so easy to be like, "Oh well, I just let's go with the team that I just saw win." Remember, it, all these games matter. And I think again, as we've seen, the, what, the second time in the last three years or third time in the last four, where all top one and number two seeds made it through. This is a good example of why you have to remember that.
2: My my parting thought here is a quote from our dear friend of the podcast, Bruce Arians: Experience matters. Mm-hmm. And why I say that is because I understand Sean McVeigh is a genius. He's
1: the only one that doesn't have the experience, but the Andy b- Reid, yeah.
2: Bill Belichick, okay, and Sean, and Sean Payton
1: never done anything, never won any games. So we-
2: stop with the. We're trying to get we're trying to go outside of the box to hire everybody. Sean McVay grew up in the NFL, has grown up around coaching his entire life, and oh by the way, he's legitimately a genius and has two of the best assistants in all of football. Also,
1: arguably the most talented team in the NFL. Correct. From top to
2: bottom. Correct. So I say that to bring this coaching as we as we get ready to preview the coaching staffs on Wednesdays. Experience. Matters, And if this isn't case and point of that, I don't know what is because you saw the old guard, the old dude, specifically Bill Belichick yeah. and Andy Reid put on coaching clinics. So
1: I, I, I opened the show talking about this was the week of coaching. And look at look at every matchup. The best coach won yep. every matchup. Yep. Andy Reid, I'll coach Frank Reich. Frank Reich, I think I'm, I'm very optimistic about him. Yeah, but he's not Andy Reid. Andy nope. Reid's going to the Hall of Fame. Okay. Sean McVay still has stuff to prove. He's He still has one playoff win, but he's only yeah. had one opportunity at it, but yeah. he's one for one. But I think he's a better coach than Jason Garrett. Yep. You look at, like the other side, Bill Belichick is the best coach that's ever coached, period, end yeah. of story. And I will not hear arguments otherwise, as nope. much as I like the other coaches. He completely dismantled Anthony. I mean, just destroyed him. Yes. Like Anthony Lynn didn't look like he deserved to be in the same job. No. The only matchup of coaches that were fairly, I thought, close, of two guys that were probably in top five, top six coaches, was Eagle game. I think Doug Peterson's a hell of a coach. Yep. But Sean Payton is Sean Payton. Yep. So you watch this weekend where talent matters, but coaching matters. And you gave elite coaches across the board an extra week to prepare against slightly or significantly inferior coaches. And it matters. And you saw the results. Yeah. That stuff matters.
2: I It really does. I can't wait to ask Jake about it on Wednesday because I know he's going to get fired up. When great players
1: have great preparation – Great things happen. Yep. And I, I remember and there's a quote from like Lawrence Taylor from a long time of those really good Giants teams talking about the, the schemes that Parcells and Belichick schemed up for them. And they said, we knew where we needed to be every play. We had the confidence. We would switch things up mid-play. We, we knew their plays before they knew their plays. And the amount of confidence that instills in you. You can't watch what the Patriots did those first four drives and not think, we know what they're running yep. and we know exactly how to beat them yep. or what the Kansas City did. We know game. what they're running. We know how to beat them on both sides of the ball.
2: Recipe res, matters. Recipe for a complete destruction of the of the Chargers. It took away everything that they wanted to yes. do. And, and they, the Colts. And they both made – All those AFC games yep. were
1: cl- coaching clinics.
2: No adjustments. Yeah. No adjustments were made. So the, the theme of this podcast is coaching matters, experience matters. And I hope you watch those football games even though a couple of them, those two specifically that we're talking about were blowouts because it was masterful. Yeah. Coaching and masterful playing from from both of those teams. Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media? You
1: follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at JME
0: Eisner on Instagram.
2: And guys, you can follow me at the underscore sports page on Twitter and Instagram. And follow please TD Fantasy on both Twitter and Instagram at TD Fantasy underscore. Be sure to subscribe, rate. We've had a couple of different ratings, so thank you guys for for doing yes, that. Please, that
1: helps us a lot. It's super, Helps people discover the show because yeah. it helps you. Helps the algorithm that Apple and Stitcher and all these other companies use, and so when people are looking for football podcasts and fancy football podcasts, we kind of rank, we rank a little bit higher. So yeah. we do appreciate that that help. It does actually help us out there. Yeah,
2: it does help us. It's super helpful. So thanks for doing that, uh, guys. Have a great start to your week.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts